thanks for joining us for the Unexpected Jesus series as we walk through the book of Mark at Doxa Church. Doxa Church exists to equip people to live for Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. For more information, go to doxa-church.com. Friday night, we remembered the night Jesus died. Today, we celebrate the day death died. It's a good, good thing. He is risen. Yeah. He is risen. Get ready. We're going to do that a few times, okay? All right. And our baptism is really a visual expression of that, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, kids in the room, I want to let you know, we gave you a coloring sheet with three questions on it, and I'm going to ask each one of those questions in my message and provide an answer. So I want you to follow along with me. Feel free to color and do all you want on that, but get ready to answer those questions. And I'll cue you each time I hit one of those questions. Parents, by the way, you need to know how to answer these questions. These questions are for you too. And so we're going to walk through the, the amazing news that we celebrate this day. Do you guys realize that everything changed on this day over 2,000 years ago? I mean, everything changed. A minor thing, which isn't that big, but it is huge. We actually have a two-day weekend now. Do you know that? Like before that, like Sunday was the first day of the work week. And then Jesus rose again on the dead. And thankfully, a group of people said, let's start remembering the day he rose again because that's the beginning of a new creation. And so let's start resting at the beginning of our work week instead of working at the beginning of our work week. And you all have a weekend because of Jesus. Okay? So like, even if you don't even believe in him, you should thank him for that. Okay? He changed everything. Not only did he change the calendar, but he changed eternity. He changed eternity. He changed the reality of sin having power over us and death being the, having the final word over us. He, that's not the case anymore. Because of Jesus... Everything has changed. And I want to walk through what he did to make sure that's the reality for us. First of all, it's very important that we recognize that we aren't just celebrating on this day Jesus' resurrection. We're, we have to back up and celebrate his life. Jesus came and lived a perfect human life in our place. The Bible, in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, we hear that God made man and women in his image, in his likeness. We were made to be a display, a picture of what God is like, that in our thoughts, motives, and actions, we would tell the truth about the reality of what God's really like. That's why you and I were made. We weren't made primarily for ourselves. We are made for God's glory. We are created to be to the creation around us a display of all that God is and all that God does. Yet, every single one of us in this room has failed to display perfectly the glory of God, the truth of God, the weightiness of God, the reality of God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have failed to tell the truth of what God is like in what we think, what we feel, and what we do. Kids, I want to ask the first question, what is sin? Sin is any failure to be like God in our thoughts, our feelings, or our actions. 
any failure to be like God in our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions. Now, my guess is all of you in the room are going to go, we failed. We, we haven't done it. We were made for a purpose that we haven't fulfilled. And I don't know how it is for you, but I feel like every single day I fall short. The thoughts I have, the attitudes I engage in, the motives I'm driven by, the behaviors I walk out, a lot of times they don't look like what God looks like. And you go, well, how do we know what God looks like? Jesus came to display the truth of God in bodily form. He is the God-man. He is the God who took on flesh so we could look at Jesus. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, if you want to know what God's like, you look at Jesus Christ. If you want to know what the standard is, you look at Jesus Christ. He's the standard for displaying the glory of God in your life. We've all fallen short. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote the previous verse that I just referenced, also said later on in that same letter to the church in Rome, chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because we have failed to do what God made us to do, which is ultimately cosmic rebellion, it's our way of saying to the creator, I want my own way, I'll do my own thing, I'll make this world all about me. We've all done it. And the Bible says the wage of that, the payment for that is death. Now, a few weeks ago, one of the members in our missional community, when we went through that and we were talking about Adam and Eve and what God said that if they, if they rebelled against him, that they would surely die. Uh, she said, well, how come they didn't die right away? Like when they did it, when they ate of the fruit of that tree that they were told not to, why didn't they die right away? And we explained, well, they did eventually die, but in a sense, they also did die right away. Because when God says that the wages of sin is death, he's not referring only to physical death, of which we all will experience apart from Jesus coming back before we do. But we also experience a spiritual death. It's not just physical, it's spiritual. In that moment when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, they experienced the, the wage of their sin and the immediacy of their life where they experienced shame and guilt. And then they blamed each other. And then the relationship they had was broken. And that brokenness got passed on to their children and to their children's children all the way to us to this day. And if you want to know if sin actually has a wage called death, just look around the world. We see the brokenness of humanity. We see the brokenness in our relationships. We see the brokenness in how we've treated this planet. The evidence is clear. Sin produced death. Some of you have experienced it very acutely in your own life. You, you feel the brokenness. Some of you are actually trying to cover up the brokenness. No, I'm not as bad as, as, as you think. I, I'm doing okay, but inside, you feel empty. You feel broken. You feel lonely. You feel lost. Every one of us has because sin affects everyone. And all of us have fallen short and therefore all of us experience its pain. It's also eternal. It's not just physical and spiritual, but it's an eternal death. The Bible's really clear that one day we will appear before God and give an account for our entire life. And on that day, if we don't have a better righteousness than the one we presently try to earn on our own behavior and efforts, 
then we will be separated from God forever because your righteousness must measure up to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Your life must display what God's like exactly in the way that Jesus displayed what God's like. That's the standard. And so the reality is that all of us have fallen short. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to put my confidence in my life to measure up to Jesus Christ on that day. I want to put my confidence in the one who does measure up and that's Jesus. His life lived for us is for us our righteousness. The perfect life, the perfect human. And we, through Jesus, through faith in Jesus, will not have to stand on that day on our own. But rather we get to stand in his merit, in his perfect life. The Bible actually says it's as if we're getting clothed with the very righteousness of Christ. It's like you take Jesus and put him on yourself like a jacket and walk before the presence of God and what he sees is not you but Jesus. Now, how is that possible? Kids, question number two, what did Jesus do? Not only did he live the perfect life we can't, but he also died the death we should have. He died for our sins on the cross and rose again from the dead. See, the Bible's really clear on the cross. Jesus, who knew no sin... Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. He who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's what happened. Not only did Jesus die on the cross for your sin, here's what, what took place. Your sin was put on him. Your past sins, your present, your future sins, all on the cross, all on Jesus. He became our sin on the cross. We needed a perfect human to be our righteousness. We need a perfect substitute to pay for our sin. He at the cross became our sin for us. Paul goes on to say, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's the incredible news about Jesus. Jesus doesn't just die on a cross to forgive you of your sins so you go from a negative account balance to a zero account balance before God and now you've got to work really hard to get up to 100% righteousness balance. That's not what happens. At the cross, Jesus not only paid for our sin, bringing us to a zero balance, not guilty, no more, no more need to atone for your sin or pay for it or do anything about it. God's done it fully in Jesus. But he gave us his righteousness, his perfect life, 100% balance of righteousness into your account. Is that amazing? I mean, like what is scandalous that God would do this? And this is what we celebrate because he who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And on that cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So one of the things that gives me greatest joy is knowing that those words counted for me. And I don't even have to know all my sins for it to work. I know some people walk around like, what if I forget to confess a sin? What if I did too many things? It, Jesus knows every sin you've ever committed and he went to the cross to die for every one of them. Every one. Whether you know how bad they are or not is not the, 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 the deal. He knows how bad they are. That's why he went to a cross. He knows the weight of sin. He knows how it destroys the world. He loved us enough to die for us when we didn't even know him. We weren't even born yet. And then he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's because God heard his prayer. 
on the cross, he felt the weight of our sin, felt the abandonment that we deserve. And then he cried out, when he breathed his last, it is finished. The work was done. Now, it would be really a really good story of love if it ended there. But it wouldn't help us. Because if the wages of sin is death and Jesus remains dead, then the wage has not been paid in full. And it was just sentiment spoken from the cross. But that's not what it was. Listen to what happened. Religious leader Joseph Arimathea takes the body of Jesus from the cross, wraps it in a linen shroud, lays him in a tomb. He was really dead. This is not some kind of falling asleep deal. They actually put a spear in his side and blood and water flowed. And then Pilate had a guard, made sure there was a big stone put in front of the tomb and then had a guard stand next to it to make sure no one would steal the body because they had heard this rumor that Jesus said he was going to rise and the last thing they wanted was for someone to take his body and say, look, he rose again. So they did everything they could to prevent this, but you can't stop God from doing what God wants to do. And here's what happens in Mark 16. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Siloam brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. That's Sunday. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? It's big. They can't. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, likely an angel, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. These are the best words. He has risen. There you go. Yes. Yes. He's not here. No, no one, did, no one stole this body. He got up and he walked out with a new body. That's what happened. Go tell his disciples. See the place they led him? He's not here. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Do you know that Jesus appeared to more than 500 people in the coming days after his resurrection. Bodily form, ate with them. Here's what's amazing. Jesus, when he died on the cross, didn't just die for our sins. He died to put to death the power of sin over your life and the power of death to keep you from living a life forever with God. He killed death. That's what he did. He killed it. And what you need to understand is when Jesus went into the tomb, our sin was with him in the tomb. And when he rose again, it was no longer with him. New resurrected body with no sin. What that means is our sin has been not only forgiven, but removed. We're not defined anymore by what we've done. We're not defined by what we'll do. We're defined by what Jesus did if your faith is in Jesus Christ. This is incredible news. And if he had not risen, we would be hopeless. But he rose again from the dead and sin has no power if you are in Christ Jesus and death will not hold you forever. It's amazing. I love these words from John Mark McMillan's song, On Friday a thief, on Sunday a king, laid down in grief, but woke with the keys 
to hell on that day. He has the keys. He can set us free. Firstborn of the slain, the man Jesus Christ laid death in his grave. He is risen. Yes. Yes. Oh. So how can you live with God forever? Kids, that's the third question. How can we live with God forever? Don't miss this. Jesus was given a brand new body to live forever in a new world. And as we believe in Jesus and receive him into our life, we believe that he died for our sin, that he rose again, and that he gives new life to those whose faith is in Jesus, not only today, but forever. God got a hold of my life when I was 21 years old, and I felt the weight of sin leave. I felt the guilt be removed. I felt the shame no longer on me, defining me, but I also felt brand new life. Like I was new, a new man. He recreated me because the power that raised Jesus from the dead gave new life to my body, my spirit. It's amazing. This is what's offered for you today in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not just a clean slate. It's not just a standard of righteousness met. It's a brand new life that he offers you. And some of you today are going, well, how do I respond to this? And maybe there's somebody in the room, you've been hearing this week after week or year after year, and you've never responded. And today, and family, you know this, I don't normally do what I'm about to do, but I felt compelled. I prayed all week long for this message. I've been praying for you who are in the room who need to hear it. All of us do, by the way, but there's some of you who maybe never heard it before or never had your ears open before or your heart ready for it before, and today is the day for you. And as I, as I prepared and I prayed, I, I just kept hearing, guide them through how to respond to me today. So I'm gonna do that. So if, if you've never responded in faith to Jesus today, I pray you will. Here's how you do it. And this will be even on the screen is after I, when I give you the chance to even pray to God yourself right now. First of all, you have to tell him that you believe you've sinned, that you believe you've failed to be like God in your thoughts, your actions, and your motives. And a way you can respond to this is to say, God, I believe I've sinned against you. And I know that the penalty of sin is death. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And then we speak out loud that we believe that Jesus really died for our sins, that he rose again from the dead to give us new life and new power to overcome sin. You might pray something like this. I believe that Jesus died to forgive me of my sins, that he rose again from the dead to give me a new life with power over sin. I want the new life Jesus came to give. And then last, invite him to come into your life and be in charge of you. It might sound like this. I don't want to be in charge of my life any longer. I want you to be God of my life. I want your spirit, God, to come in me and change me. If you did that just now or throughout the gathering, I want you to know God is present here. His spirit is working. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know his grace. He wants you to know his forgiveness. He wants you to know a new life is possible. And if that's happened to you, I want you to tell someone about that, a friend, a family member, one of us. In fact, you may even go, I gotta get baptized today because that's what we do next when we believe this. Jesus commanded us 
to publicly display what's just happening. In fact, listen to what the Apostle Paul says our baptism is all about. And before I read this, I want you to know that the, the people who are about to get in the water are in some ways a more powerful message of the gospel than even me proclaiming it. I mean, me proclaiming it is true and it's right and it's powerful, but when you see a life changed, you know. People don't, don't just change themselves. You may believe that, but I'm convinced they don't. Not from the inside out, they don't. But God changes lives. And this is what Paul says our baptism is all about in Romans 6. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Do you hear what Paul's saying? He's saying the baptism you're about to witness is a visual demonstration of what's already happened. That you, if your faith is in Christ, you were buried with Christ. Your old life, your, your life of sin, your life of rebellion, your life of separation, your life of brokenness was buried with Christ in the tomb. And when he rose again, your faith in Christ means you're united with Christ in his resurrection, meaning he raises you up with new life. And whatever is true of Christ is true of you in Christ. This is a, the craziest thing. I, when I heard, I used to go, I'd go like, are you kidding? How can anybody not want it? To have faith in Christ is to be unified with Christ. To be unified with Christ is to have what's true of Christ be true of you. His righteousness, his forgiveness, the love of God the Father, the power over sin. You were buried in your old life, raised again into new life. That's what our baptism is telling the story about. It's such good news. Every one of the people that are going to get into that water are saying, I used to be this and I'm now this. I used to be an enemy of God, I'm now a child of God. I used to be a sinner, now I'm a saint. I used to be dead, now I'm alive. I was far, now I'm near. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's what we're expressing today in baptism. The new has come. That's what we're expressing on Easter. Jesus makes all things new. You know what? He changes everything. He wants to change you. He wants you to enjoy him forever. He wants to, you to enjoy a new life with him forever. He wants you to enjoy freedom from sin. He wants to declare over you loved, forgiven, accepted, part of the family. Please, if you're hearing him today by his spirit and you've never responded to him, please respond to him. Those of you who already have, I hope even now you're going, yes. Don't ever let me grow tired of the story. Don't let me ever forget the good news. Don't ever let me put my trust in anyone else than Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, as we continue celebrating your wonderful love, Jesus, as we express your amazing victory over sin for us through baptism. We ask that you might grant us by your spirit an ability to be filled with joy and great hope. Father, I pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you that today you would give them the faith to believe that you would open the eyes of their hearts to see you, that you would uh, 
unblock the ears from hearing you, that you would give them soft hearts to receive grace from you today. Lord, I pray you would do that and you would, you would reveal yourself, Lord, to all of us today. And as we continue in this, we pray you would be greatly glorified as we celebrate you, the risen Lord, Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, King of kings, Lord of lords, victor over sin, Satan, and death. You alone are worthy of praise. We pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Unexpected Jesus series as we walk through the book of Mark at Doxa Church. Doxa Church exists to equip people to live for Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. For more information, go to doxa-church.com.